Welcome back to Blazers and Flagpins. This is episode 10. This is Hallie Thompson, and I am in the middle of a district-wide tour this week, currently in Butler, Missouri, with Jim Hogan for this episode. Jim, you want to introduce yourself? Good afternoon. I'm Jim Hogan. I am a the Democratic candidate for state representative in District 126. Uh, I am a teacher. I have been for 38 years now. Uh, I retired and spent two years at our Missouri Department of Education. So I have had a look at education from all levels, K-12, and from the standpoint of the Department of Education, where I served for two years. Um, uh, my vested interest is in our educational system, our schools, and our children. Um, yes, I'm older, and I know a lot of us that are older think maybe I don't now need to worry about schools. But our schools and our children are our future, no matter our age. We have to prepare them adequately for the occupations that they are going to be seeing in the 21st century, which means that we have to do a few things. First of all, we have to be able to supply them, the schools, with the money it takes to make the changes in the necessary applications of things they have. Books are a going away commodity in our schools. Mm -hmm. iPads, Chromebooks, laptops, good Wi-Fi technology. These are the things that our students are going to be needing in their future careers, and we need to be training them for those things now, getting them prepared for the jobs of the future. We need so many young people trained in medical professions, in engineering and technology, but we also need young people trained in workforce areas plumbers, electricians, Mm -hmm. carpenters, mechanics, because we have no one right now coming out of schools with the skills necessary to let them succeed. We, as a state, have to provide our students with the money it takes to be successful in those careers. And any time we start looking at budget cuts to our schools, or even considering it, I think it's a travesty. Our school budget from the state should be the first thing they set. It should be in stone. It should be set at the 7411 level, or 6711 level, sorry about my speech. Not the 7411. No, no, the 6711 level that was originally set years ago not the 6471 level, which they're now using. We have to make it a full uh, comprehensive budget so that our students have everything they need, including the transportation budget that was cut potentially this past year. Those things have to be fully funded, no doubt about it, for every school. The other things that I am looking at and I'm interested in are uh, charter schools, and school vouchers, both of which are a detriment to our public schools. Either one of those would require that the money given to the public school for a student's tuition, if they elect to use school vouchers, 
or if they elect to attend a charter school, the money would be taken from the public school and given to either the charter school or the other school that those students are wanting to go to. That's going to be huge cuts to our public schools. The other thing they will are demanding is that the public school also pays the transportation for the students to get to the other school. So the public school gets hit two ways. Our public schools are having enough trouble right now, many of them, maintaining the quality education for our children that they need to survive. I see so many of our smaller schools in my district that with just a few families electing to send their children to charter a charter school or using school vouchers to trade schools, it could be devastating. Mm -hmm. They could in fact have to close their doors. We have to keep our local schools in their communities. That is the community. It is the center of life for many of those communities and has been for generations. So we need to keep that alive, keep our schools fully funded, and stay away from trying to send our students to another school. If our parents elected to live in that district, they're paying taxes in that district, their stu students should go to that district. If the parents have, are having problem with the district itself, get involved, help out. Mm -hmm. uh, show the district what maybe they need to change to make school better for their children. Uh, those are some ideas on schools. Those are some things that we need to pursue. Well, I want to rewind just a little bit and go into, you know, a little bit more about this district that you're running in. Um, mm -hmm. And talk about, I mean, because we all know that education, no matter where you are, is important. Mm -hmm. But it becomes a little more challenging whenever you're in these rural areas to talk about education and especially what you're talking about with regard to transportation mm -hmm. and involvedness of parents. And so I want to dig in a little bit about the district and then about how that uniquely positions you to talk about education. Our districts are mainly smaller districts. Uh, there are some distances between each of them which would increase transportation costs uh, for them to transfer students from one school to another. Uh, most of our schools, again, are smaller. Uh, so if even a small number of parents elected to move their students to another district, uh, again, it could be devastating to our schools. Mm -hmm. The superintendent of the district I'm in said if 10 families elected to move their students to another district, mm -hmm. uh, it would really be hard on our economy by losing that many students and the tuition that they bring into our schools. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the schools in our area are that way. We're not the smallest. There are some that are smaller than us. It would not take 10 families to possibly make those schools shut their doors and have to go to another district somewhere else, which again means longer bus rides for kids, uh, maybe their inability to be able to be on athletic teams because they couldn't stay after school. Uh, it, it just brings up so many possibilities of things that would harm the student. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that these rural districts are already going, many of them, to four days a week instead of the five for those transportation reasons as well as budgetary reasons. We have, Is that happening here? We have one school in our district. In our, in our district. Is that in Bates County or it's, in the Vernon County? It's Park? in Bates County. Okay. That has already gone to the four-day system. Really? Yes, it did it 
two years ago, I think, last year for sure. Uh, so they've already made that transition just to try to save the transportation costs of getting students from getting them in five days a week, drop it down to four and save a, a fifth of their transportation funding. So it's already happening. I know there's another district or two that has been considering it. So Ballard has looked at it. I, I'm, I'm not positive, but it seems like uh, Southeast Vernon County may have talked about it at one time down in uh, Vernon County. Mm -hmm. So it, the budget crunches that they're already feeling mm -hmm. uh, are crucial to them. And it doesn't take a lot less uh, to get them to the point that they have to make crucial decisions for their children that may not be the best decision for their children and for those children's education. So we have to continue to give them the funding they need to stay on top of the game because these children are our future. Heck yes. So, as a former educator, how does that prepare you for these kind of conversations with folks around the district? Because I mean, this is clearly something that we're having discussions on on a daily basis and that we have people that, that disagree with your perspective. So how can you bring your experiences to bear to those sort of conversations? And do you have any advice for listeners as well? First of all, um, I teach in the STEM field and I have had students go into occupations from, from engineering. I've had several that have gone into engineering. I have had, also had several on the other end that have gone into building trades and carpentry programs. So I've seen students go into areas of all interest, but the loss of funding to schools could very easily prohibit one the participation in our STEM programs, which cost money and have to be maintained, or even the transportation to our area career centers with our students so that they can get jobs in welding and building trades and carpentry and the other hands-on type of jobs that we need students in. So we have to figure transportation into that as well. And anytime we start getting cuts in funding, those things are going to be curtailed. We're not going to send as many from our small schools that can get into the jobs and get the background they need uh, to have a good career. The, the money is there for those students. The jobs are there for those students. We need to get more into those hands-on tr trades uh, to continue to supply the people of Missouri with the workforce that we need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so when I was at High Point uh, in eighth grade, they didn't have a math class for me to take, so they bussed me over to the high school. And now reflecting on it, I mean, you sort of made me think back into that. If they didn't have the transportation, the ability to bust me up there, I wouldn't have been taking math that year, or I would have been retaking the same class I'd already taken. And that's exactly. a huge challenge of those rural districts, and that's just math. That's not to mention all of these other experiential classes and, that's right. and things that we're wanting to add to the experience of being a student. It, so how do, how do we, as consumers and citizens, learn about those and advocate for those? We, we have to, as parents and citizens, mm -hmm. we have to learn, first of all, the change in our job market mm -hmm. that's currently going on some of the old jobs that were out there for students 15 years ago are now gone. 
we need to be sending them out there with updated information, with the information on careers that are available to them now, mm -hmm. and the ability to adapt as those careers change throughout their lives. Many, we have to be cognizant of what schools are trying to prepare our students for. Mm -hmm. And some of the occupations that students are going to have 15 years from now have not even been created yet. With the advancements in technology, with the advancements in just areas like robotics, which I teach, those jobs are not even there yet. Mm -hmm. But we have to give them the foundations for those jobs that are there now and give them the ability to adapt to those new jobs as they come online. Mm -hmm. If we as parents and citizens in our community uh, haven't done the digging to find out what the job market looks like for their children, mm -hmm. they have done them a great disservice. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the old jobs just aren't there and we have to make those updates in our students as they're coming through school. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think I think one big part of it is just staying plugged in with what's happening around and also I think being open-minded and saying, well, perhaps this is a new area and yes. I don't really know about it, but yes. maybe my my kids should. Take a take a look at the courses that your your school is offering. Find out why they're offering some of these things that you did not see a few years ago. Exactly. Even take a look at schools around you and see what maybe your school district can use mm -hmm. to help their students. Um, I'm fortunate. Uh, our school district does a good job of coming up with new programs and innovations uh, to keep their students at the front of what's, what job market is out there. Uh, I know a lot are not, but that's uh, what parents need to be behind in talking to their school district, talking to their board members and saying, this might be something we should add. Maybe we should take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would give some of our students a heads up and a better way to a good career and a good future. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit now because okay. one of the things with this podcast is going behind the scenes. So it's not just, you know, what what the campaign looks like from the outside Got it. and things that you care about, but it's also, you know, how has the campaign been for you? What are challenges? And I know you're, you know, a first time candidate out here. And I mean, I really admire the fact that you're stepping out and having conversations and I know you're in a particularly unique situation uh, with the person you're running against being actually someone that you know fairly well yes um, and that's that's not the most common thing that you see so I'm curious to, to hear about your experiences um, I was not truly politically inclined mm -hmm. until just the last couple of years uh, I see what's going on in our state government and at the national level, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid if they continue to continue the, in, in the way they're running right now, that Missouri is going to look like Kansas and Illinois. And that scares me. Uh, I have known my opponent for, oh, 30 years. Uh, we taught together years and years ago. And we go to the same church, uh, which is a little bit strained, 
<laughs> should I say. But, and I, I truly am not running against her. I am running against the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I am running against their views mm-hmm. and the things that they are trying to put through. Um, when they start talking about things like what Governor Greitens did to our State Board of Education and our Commissioner of Education, which we still don't have corrected yet, when they talk about um, getting rid of, and they did, um, prevailing wage, uh, that hurts our workmen. When they put on the ballot right to work, which is unnecessary, unneeded, and should be unwanted, and then they move it from the November ballot to the August ballot. I know why they did that. I'm sorry. Uh, That was done because they knew our workmen would not necessarily take off to, on the first election, the primary, but they would take off work during the general election to vote. And they're hoping for a low voter turnout. Those things have to stop. They have to stop. We have to regain control of our government. And that is why I said someone has to step up. And I guess that had to be me at this point. But Well, here we are. Yeah, here we are. Uh, we're in the middle of this. Uh, unfortunately for me, as a first-time runner, uh, I'm unopposed in the primary, which really gives me and my campaign team a little more time to prepare uh, for the general election, and so uh, thank thank goodness uh, I have that time. Mm-hmm. I I told everyone involved that I had to finish school first, get the school year out of the road, um, and get rid of teaching kindergartners and first graders, uh, so that I could concentrate on the campaign as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we are right now. Uh, my campaign team is meeting again real soon, and we're going to to start the process of knocking on doors and meeting people in town to town, everywhere from Amsterdam to uh, Sheldon. Is Amsterdam one of the towns in in Bates County? Uh I didn't know about Amsterdam. Yep. Amsterdam is uh, straight west of Butler, probably 15, 16 miles. I thought you were being hyperbolic about (laughs) Amsterdam. (laughs) No, it's a reality. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I want to get over to Amsterdam and talk to the people in the cafe and, and see what they have to say. And, Absolutely. Um, I hope to hit every coffee shop and talk to the people that are there and get their views and opinions. Uh, that's important to me, to know what the people in, in our district think and how they feel on the topics that I'm interested in and see what topics they're really concerned about. Right, and their experiences, right? Yes. I mean, as you were saying, the the district that you taught in, the school you taught in, was pretty lucky. Pretty progressive. In, in some regards. Yes. And they made some decisions that, that were really great. Yes. But, you know, what's that look like in other places, and are there opportunities uh, for you to learn, um, in addition to fully funding the education formula at the level that you say, right. to, to have other creative solutions yes. to, to raise up education? Exactly. Uh, in any school we have to be preparing those students for their futures and unfortunately reading writing and arithmetic just don't quite make it anymore Uh, we have to have other avenues that they can uh, pursue 
whether they intend on going to college or not, that's irrelevant. Absolutely. So that's what I need to find out from the people in my district. Yeah. So what's what's the most challenging thing for you so far with, with campaigning? Money. Yeah. I Money. hear that. I hear that. Um, unfortunately, I am not a good money procurer. Um, we've done a couple of fundraisers which have helped out. Good. Uh, Vernon County has donated. Vernon County Democratic Society has donated some money. And I've had a couple of individuals that have donated a fairly good sum as well. But uh, for me... To cold call people and ask for money is my biggest challenge. Okay. All right, uh, my name is Jim Hogan. I'm running for district representative in uh, state representative in District 126, which is most of Bates and all of Vernon counties. Uh, for anyone liking to donate, you can send it to Hogan for representative. P.O. Box 627, Adrian, Missouri, 64720. Um, and who do you make the check out to? Uh, Hogan for representative. Okay. It can be made out to Hogan for representative. Repetition is always good. That's yeah, always good. <laughs> and uh, Ashley Lyle's my treasurer, but uh, it, the check should be made out to Hogan for representative. That way it gets where it needs to be, and I would make great use of it to pursue uh, trying to turn two counties back into blue counties. Well, and as we found out today in our journeys in town, there are a whole lot of elected officials in Bates County. We have been fortunate that Bates County has really, uh, the Democratic Party has really held on to the elected positions. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a couple that are being challenged this year uh, but we have been fortunate so far. Uh, Vernon County has not been so fortunate. And I know that most of my campaigning, or a lot of it's going to have to be done down there. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the hard parts about campaigning, too, is in such a big area and so many conversations you could potentially have to prioritize those conversations. And so I we're close to running out of time, but I'm curious if there are any other issues that you want to talk about um, that you're running on, that you've heard from people in your conversations so far. The One of the other ones I see is a progressive farm bill, mm -hmm. uh, which we have not had from the other party in a long time. Tell me what you mean, progressive farm bill. Uh, one thing particularly that's on my mind is the investment of foreign governments in Missouri land. Uh, foreign countries now have own over 200,000 acres of Missouri land. Mm -hmm. This violates the 1908 law that said foreign countries may not purchase Missouri land. Mm -hmm. Now I understand with shell companies and hidden money uh, they can get around that, which is exactly what they have been doing. But we know, <coughs> excuse me, that the Chinese government and the Italian government both own vast tracts of Missouri land. We need to get that land back in hand, the hands of Missourians so Missouri farmers can make a living off of that land. Mm -hmm. And one of the other issues with that is that if remote 
governments own that land, what's their incentive to conserve? They have absolutely no no incentive to be careful of or pay attention to the land. Their only worry is their investment dollars coming back to them. They do not care, and it has been shown by many of the hog farms that the Chinese government owns, that they do not care what happens to our land. And when they keep fighting uh, to get more restrictions on the disposal of hog farm waste, uh, I see that as a potential catastrophe for our rivers, our streams, uh, our land. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to worry about the erosion uh, around those places and what's going to happen because of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those things bother me greatly and they need to be addressed and corrected and get that land back into the hands of Missouri farmers so they can use it for their families. Absolutely, yes. Well, this is, this is a bit of a hairpin turn here, but there's something on my mind that, that we didn't address really, but I think this is something important over here in Vernon County in particular where you're saying you're gonna have to campaign so much. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hidden voters. There's a lot of hidden Democrats. And I know we were talking about this earlier when we were walking around town. Uh, And when I knocked doors down in Lamar, which is not in your district, but not that different from Vernon County. No. The most common thing people said to me was, oh yeah, I'll vote Democrat. I'm excited. Good to meet you. Right. But why are you knocking doors here? I don't know any other Democrats. Exactly. So what what have you seen with that? And how are you trying to make traction on sort of that community and cultural portion of the campaign? I, I'm going to be knocking door to door in Vernon County. Mm-hmm. And I need to let the people know, the Democrats in that area know, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. They have a wonderful uh, county Democratic committee. Mm-hmm. And they work hard. Um, but the Democrats in that area seem to, as you kind of said, they, they seem to be hidden. Mm-hmm. And I need to get down there and knock on doors and let them know you are not alone. Yes. That your neighbor's a Democrat. That others in your area are Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care whether you're from Sheldon or Bronaugh or, or uh, Nevada. Um, there are others. We just not have been strong enough as a political entity. Mm-hmm nationwide and statewide mm-hmm. to let them know that they are not out there by themselves that there are others near them and i know that the county party has been working to bring that about as well mm-hmm. um, but we need to get all of them involved we need to get all of them out to vote we need to get all of them to help us change that county from a red county back to a democratic county and that's going to be one of the big things I'm working on. Heck yes. And I think that relates to your issue of talking about farming and ownership. Is that something that you can talk to a lot of those people about on the door? And I mean, you can see it here. We have two big industries in Bates and Vernon County. Mm-hmm. Our schools mm-hmm. and our farms. Mm-hmm. Those two things are priority to our entire counties. Yeah. And they affect all of our families. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you're the farmer or the one using the, the corn he grows. You're still part of that process. I don't care whether you're a teacher like I am or a parent that has students or a grandparent. Those are your grandchildren going mm-hmm. to school. So we all are invested in both. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, we're at time here. Is there anything else that you wanted to communicate about your candidacy to people listening? I need all the help I can get from anybody in Bates and Vernon counties. Uh, I need your support. Yes, I need your donations. Mm -hmm. But I need for you, as a Democratic voter in Bates County and in Vernon County, to come out and support me and all the other candidates mm -hmm. in our counties that are running for election this year so that we can make a difference in our state uh, government. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing I'm asking. And let your neighbors know yes, <laughs> that, that they are not the only one. That they're not alone. Absolutely. And again, Jim Hogan running for state representative in District 126. Mm -hmm. um, you can look me up on Facebook. And you, you have my mailing address, so feel free to help out. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining, Jim. This has been wonderful. We're now going to no go knock some doors. Yes, we are. In rural Bates County. That's so exactly right. Have a wonderful afternoon queued up, and it was wonderful spending some more time with all of you. This has been Blazers and Flagpins, and thanks for joining us for Episode 10 with a conversation for a conversation with Jim Hogan. This podcast has been paid for by Hallie Thompson for Congress.